What's up, everyone? Welcome to my corner of the internet. I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and this is Crossover Commerce, presented by Ping Pong Payments, the leading global payments provider helping sellers keep more of their hard-earned money. Each episode on here will feature leaders in the digital space to help entrepreneurs grow their knowledge and understanding of the Amazon and e-commerce world. Let's get started. What's up, everyone? Ryan Kramer with Ping Pong Payments. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Crossover Commerce. Episode 33, man, we're already flying through this week, Wednesday, hump day. Uh, nothing else going on in the world right now, so let's just talk a little bit about Amazon and e-commerce with a very special guest today. Again, if you're joining us live on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter, go ahead and say hello. Tell us where you're listening from. If you're busy today, save this for later. Come back to it. Listen to all the nuggets we're going to be dropping today uh, because I'm pre- I got my notebook ready uh, to take notes because I'm excited about what we're going to be talking about today, SEO and SEM optimization. Everyone kind of knows it's important, but what is that fine balance for brands, especially on Amazon and even off Amazon? Why that's important? Who knows what else we'll get into, but we'll go ahead and get started. Our guest today is a very own co-founder of AMZ. Uh, I want to say insiders, but that's not even close to being right. AMZ advisors. I'm going to get that right. So AMZ advisors, former sellers, also trying to look at how to grow their businesses and other businesses for Amazon sellers as well. Uh, joining us from the the lovely country of Mexico is uh, Michael Begg from AMZ Advisor, Advisors. I'm going to get that right before the end of this show, Mike. I'm I super apologize for that. So thanks for joining us today. All right, no problem. Thank you for having me here, Ryan. <laughs> Believe me, I get we get all types of things. We get Amazon advisors. We get Amazon sellers. I mean. You were close, so I'll give you well, the benefit of the doubt. And this is the and this is this is the thing too with all these companies. Everything everyone thinks they're super creative with like AMZ or like a play on Amazon itself. So that's super confusing when everything is literally <laughs> the same thing but broken down differently. So we'll get there. We're going to give you credit. We'll make sure we send everyone to the right link and company for sure. But anyways, welcome to the show. Uh, again, thanks everyone joining live on social media. Again, we'll we'll make sure we get you guys great content here, but. Uh, yeah, loved connecting with you yesterday. We, we were actually just kind of touching high level of how the things were going, kind of 2020 recap and kind of this year and just shooting a couple of emails back and forth. But for those of you who aren't familiar with your company or just you yourself, kind of walk us through kind of that, that, uh, that entrepreneur journey and then where you got to today. Sure. Uh, it's, it's kind of a long story, but I'll, I'll try to, I'll try not to bore anyone. Uh, well, we can always, we can ebb and flow in there. I, I'm sure there's lots of great content we can pull from it. So yeah, take <laughs> us away. Uh, well, I'll start with a background a little bit. You know, it was myself and two other founders. We were all kind of working a corporate job uh, that we all really hated. We were looking for our way out. Uh, we found Amazon e-commerce. We started publishing eBooks. That was our first step into Amazon e-commerce. Then we started uh, retail arbitraging products from local Walmarts and Target stores. Then we discovered private label. And this was back in about 2014, 2015. We started selling our own goods that we were importing from China on the Amazon platform. And what we realized is that we were competing with a lot of large multinational companies that were making billions of dollars a year. And we were kicking their asses on the Amazon platform. I'll, I'll try to watch my language. Uh, and it's we- not, It's we don't censor you here. This is all about emotion. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I mean, this is what I feel. Uh, Anyway, uh, started selling. uh, We saw what that they weren't selling as well as we thought they should be. So we actually started a service helping other brands to sell more on the Amazon platform. And that's how we got to AMZ Advisors today. We've been doing this for six years now, uh, doing everything from 
you know, SEO optimization for the Amazon platform to advertising management to uh, high, higher level strategies to help companies and brands grow on the Amazon platform. And that's a little of my story and how I got here today. That's awesome. It's a very simplistic approach, but yeah, like just to fast forward six years, you guys are, you're crushing it as sellers, but also now just helping uh, other sellers kind of uh, kick butt online. But you guys aren't just on Amazon, right? You're doing more than just that. You're talking about brands. You're talking about global dominance. You're talking about helping people elevate just outside the Amazon ecosystem. Is that fair to say? Yeah. I mean, our goal is to help all of our clients grow as a business. Amazon is just one piece of their business. But it's incredibly it's incredibly valuable when it comes to the brand discovery, to people finding your brand and actually trying your product for the first time. And then once they're into your product, you need to figure out the way to convert them into loyal customers and get them buying from you over and over again. And that's a little bit more of a challenge, but we right. help them set those strategies to kind of get that in motion. And I think a lot of people's mentality is changing, especially this past year, maybe a little bit beforehand where they're just storefront wasn't a wasn't an issue it was or they weren't really focused on it, it was i'm just going to find a place to really sell great goods and let the rest do the talking it wasn't really a, a focus for brand building but more of i'm just going to have revenue coming in from this this different stream so where did that mentality you think change for lots of sellers and uh e-commerce brands if you will to actually take the amazon sales channel seriously well, not just that. I'm saying like they, uh, as the third party seller, if you think about it, I think a lot more people are really focused on them as a brand now. Like yeah. that is a brand. Yeah. Uh, they selling on Amazon can be a brand. When do you think that really became a, at the forefront of everyone? I think things that have started to get uh, more challenging for a lot of people that were selling on the platform over the past few years. Amazon has def definitely shifted their focus more to giving brands more visibility. And you can see that with all the unique brand placements that uh, sellers get. So if you're brand registered, you get access to sponsored brands, you get access to sponsored display, display brand analytics, a storefront. So all of these different pieces actually play more into the favor of a brand. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't still make money as a seller selling a bunch of random products. I know a lot of people that do that and they're extremely profitable doing that. But if you want a, you know, if you want something that you're proud of growing that you can take from the start to a certain point, maybe even have some resale value down the road. If you're going to exit the business, building a brand and you know building it the right way through Amazon and off outside of the Amazon on your off platform efforts, it's going to be super important. And I think you know that change is becoming more and more realized by sellers over probably the past two years. Yeah, I, I love that. And I think that's super important. So, so kind of going into what you guys do and where you guys stand apart from other maybe agencies or other kinds of uh, service providers, if you will, what do you feel like you guys do best and stand out from those other companies and maybe walk us through kind of that building that foundation of expertise, if you will? Yeah, I mean, that is the key right there is how do you get that foundation to start selling on the Amazon platform? And it all starts with the content that you're actually creating on the Amazon platform. And we've put a lot of effort into creating the best content that we can for our clients. So. We have our own internal teams there. You know, they're not freelancers and they're not VAs. They're here in an office with us. Well, uh, because of COVID, this office is empty, but normally they are full of, they're full in here with me. Um, and yeah, I mean, starting with the content, you need to have the right SEO, the right keywords in your, in your listing to make sure that you're indexing on Amazon platform for the right uh, search terms that customers are going to be finding. And then having the right images on your product to make sure that your listing is attractive. It, it converts well. When people come to your page, they're not leaving to go to another product. They're actually buying your page. 
So the foundation is really the content. And that is definitely one area that we really excel in. Uh, and then beyond that, once you have the content on, you know, you need to move into the higher level stuff like the advertising, the, the promotional strategies, you know, outside traffic sources, how you're really going to grow your brand. Uh, and, you know, that's another area that we handle for all of our clients, but it all starts with the content. Yeah, that may, I mean, that absolutely makes sense in terms of like the story. I, I've had a couple of guests on that in terms of like selling yourself through a story or selling yourself through your point of view and what makes you different from another widget um, that you can buy at maybe a lower cost. Um, what is kind of that that expertise, if you will, of, ha, have you seen, what, where is the biggest growth in terms of like that storytelling philosophy? Is it instead of just like listing out, like does X, Y, Z, does X, Y, Z, is it more like problem solving now? Or is it more of like, this is how you're going to, like, wh where's that mentality in terms of like that, that psychology, if you will, of how you want to display your brand or your product, if you will? Yeah, for sure. So, uh, a lot of brands that I think are doing it the wrong way typically approach it by saying what their product feature is. So, you know, their product has X number of parts. It does, it has this many blah, 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 whatever. What really, what the consumer cares about is the benefits or the way that you're actually improving their lives or, you know, why your product is valuable to them. So actually focusing on the written content and in the bullet points and the product description showing the benefits that your product will have in the consumer's life is extremely important, but also using that within your product imagery and using it with text overlays on other images that aren't your main image, calling out your main product benefits, the main features, all that's a great way to really uh, convey your message and the benefit that you're providing to the consumer. And that's one way that, that's one area and one way that we focus on creating our content for all our clients. Gotcha. So in terms of like failing, do you think that that's the misstep where a lot of people just misstep is they're doing the features instead like you mentioned, is it just the features instead of like that, that overcoming where, where are you guys doing the education in there? Is it, is it like, Hey, this is what you're doing wrong. And you're just as blunt as that, or you're kind of like coaxing me like, Hey, maybe we should, we should pose it in a little bit nicer, more friendly, friendlier version brand X, Y, Z. Yeah. I think most people just assume that they can throw up whatever they want on the Amazon platform. It's just going to sell because you know, it's there. That's where everyone's going. They're going to buy your product. But the reality is that's not the way it works. Um, you know, there's an entire concept within the Amazon platform of retail readiness with retail readiness is how you get the best advertising results. So the area where we see most of the clients or most companies that come to us failing right now is that they are, you know, they just have their content, whatever it is up there. It's not even good quality. It's not good sales copy. It doesn't talk to the, to the, to the benefits the product brings to the consumer. And then they just start spending a, a bunch of money on advertising and they're frustrated that their advertising is not getting them the results they want. So if you don't have that fundamental piece of, you know, the content, the, the written and imagery content, your advertising is never going to perform as well as you want it to you're never going to get the results. And you know, that's where most companies are failing or at least getting frustrated and giving up on the Amazon platform or, you know, focusing their efforts on other areas. So is that what you mean by when you guys want to balance their optimization? That's what you guys are doing is, Hey, you want to make sure that they're, they're friendly. They're telling that story. They're fixing people's you know problems, but also making sure that down the road, it's not just throwing it up and, you know, Hey, we're brand XYZ. We're, we can sell whatever we want. Is this is just another Avenue. Is that what you mean by balance? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's a one way to put it. I mean, if you don't have the fundament, the foundations, you know, the advertising is not going to perform. If you have, um, 
you know, there are a lot of brands that get away with it uh, that do licensing, like Clorox is a brand, Burt's Bees is a brand. You know, they they are a brand that just license their product out to other people or they license their brand name out to other people. And then, you know, people slap it on whatever product they want. I mean, that works if you have the brand recognition. Right. But if you are building that brand from scratch, you got to make sure that your products are related. They're products that are going to be something the customer is interested in. And you have common uh, branding across all of your listings on the Amazon platform. So it looks professional. It looks like a real company. And it's not just something that you know someone paid five bucks to someone on Fiverr to get done. Exactly. So what's the success story that you would you can share with our audience? Like, obviously, these are people like the people who we're talking with. Obviously, if you're out there, if you're an Amazon seller, they're maybe looking at, hey, where do I start in this journey? I want to be, build out my, my storefront. I have maybe one or two products. I'm taking that next step, either branding in the United States or internationally or just trying to grow that offline brand. What is the success story that maybe you can share the to like give a couple examples? Sure. Um, I think one good example is uh, a client that we have right now. You know, we've had it. We actually, this client has an interesting story. You know, she is a one person uh, company. She started this company on her own. It was a child product. Uh, she built it because her, you know, it was a product that her child needed. So there was a need for it that she had within her life. And then she was actually able to, you know, bring it to market and find other people that had the same issue and start selling it that way. She started working with us. She'd already been on the platform a little bit uh, for a few years, I believe. But over that time, she'd only gotten to about $30,000 a month in revenue. Um, you know, she started working with us. We focused, we revamped all of the content on our listings, uh, started creating new advertising strategies, implementing new campaigns. And from because we have that that foundation with the content, we started focusing on building more reviews for her. She was able to start growing faster on the platform. To the point where after the first year she got to about she went from about thirty thousand dollars a month to about ninety thousand dollars a month so she was pretty thrilled with what she had for a one-person operation and uh it was actually funny because uh you know she thought she could do this on her own now and she ended up leaving uh so she left sales dropped back down to 50 because she wasn't managing her advertising correctly and you know she came back to us she's been with us for another year and a half now and at this point we've gotten her sales up to about three hundred fifty thousand dollars a month so Ooh, there you go. Um, yeah, not, I mean, not just shabby, right? No, no, it's pretty good. Uh, we've literally built uh, you know multi-million dollar business for her uh, just through the Amazon sales channel. But it takes time and it takes effort. It's not just gonna you know one day click overnight. I mean, sometimes that happens, but you need to constantly be focusing on the on your advertising, trying to improve it, trying new strategies, trying to create uh, more loyal brand customers taking advantage of the new tools Amazon has. And I mean, doing all of that over time and not trying to rush the process is what's going to lead you to the best results in the long term. I think. Absolutely. And I, we had our a guest on yesterday, uh, Mike Zagaria from PPC Entourage. He was saying like, obviously there, there's a need for companies like us, like you guys, I would say in that same regard of if you're so, if you're certain size in sales and you're just hitting that kind of wall, there is a reason why people kind of take that next step, whether it's later become super uh, confident in, uh, in their ability in one sector, like on PPC or something like that. And they can over time start to scale that, or they take those MWAs, those minimum wage uh, jobs, if you will, or those activities, he calls them minimum wage activities and outsource them to either a VA or an agency like you guys. And then that scalability, like you just shared, you know, multi-million dollar company from, would you say $30,000 is what you're saying yeah. a month? So yeah. that's, 
that's that's a crazy thing that obviously you took and filled those holes where this company was missing and and that's a super cool success story that's thanks for sharing with that um so when so when they're coming to you what's kind of the number one question that that sellers are kind of approaching you with is it like i just can't figure out something like can you like it's almost like fix my like fix this engine and then i'll just take over or are they coming at you with all these problems like something's wrong with my car you're a mechanic fix it and then i'll just pay you and then go away and drive away right is that is that not the mental hopefully not the mentality that people are coming with you guys with <laughs> it's funny we get uh two questions usually when they come to us is why one why am i not getting any sales and you know, <laughs> that's that's pretty easy to solve after sure. a quick look and number two is why do i need to advertise on the amazon platform okay. uh, and the reality is i mean if you're not advertising you're not growing i mean amazon is and i, I say this frequently is the biggest brand discovery tool that there is out there right now. I mean, I think 69% of all searches online for products start on the Amazon platform. Mm-hmm. So pretty much any customer that's looking for your product is going to start there. So if you're not advertising there, think about how many people you're actually missing. I mean, if we're talking about the US, you know, 69, 69% is 2.240 million people, I think. Something right. like that. So I was trying to read the math quickly, yeah. If you're not reaching 240 million people, like what are the chances of your brand actually growing? So yes, obviously advertising is frustrating. It's it's frustrating to have to spend money, but this is just the reality of e-commerce. If you're not advertising your product, it's that much harder for your customer to actually find it. You know, when we talk about shelf space, this isn't a retail store where you walk in and you have physical shelf space. You can find a product. You maybe you see something for the first time. You try it. This is the digital shelf space and. If you ran a traditional business on retail, a lot of times you're paying for that shelf space. This is the same concept on the online space, except your advertising is what you would be paying to the retail stores to get your product, you know, whatever the placement is on the shelf. So I, I love that. I love that uh, kind of metaphor, if you will, like the whole. Tr- and, and I know you you came from like a retail background, and that metaphor yeah. just makes a lot of sense to a lot of people who had a stock shelves or just when you go to a grocery store that's what a lot of people are fighting for is just that capacity in those, in that square footage of what you have to work with. Those are your only options, whether you find it or you don't, those are the only things that are available. And a lot of people just settle for what's there or they just have to go somewhere else to find it. So if you're not selling in that space, like you said, you know, they're not going to purchase and there's no ability to do that. So uh, I, I think like maybe back up a little bit in terms of like your, how did, uh, your background, you kind of alluded to earlier um, in my doing research, you did a lot of like retail store, um, had a background in that. What was kind of like that, did that help you look at things in the e-commerce world a lot differently? Or what are you pulling, what are you pulling from that kind of background and maybe share a little bit, if you will, and then uh, how you're applying that to like future endeavors like online? Uh, okay. Yeah, I can definitely talk about that. So just to give you, to give your audience a little bit more background, uh, before I started this company, I was actually working for Sears and I was working in retail real estate development. So unfortunately Sears wasn't doing too well at the time. Uh, and our job was essentially to look at these stores, figure out what stores we were going to close, figure out what the problems were with those stores and figure out ways how to make more money from them, either through redeveloping them, selling them, uh, leasing them to somebody else, figuring out, was there anything for us to do to start making some cash? Sounds super depressing. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, but at the same time, it made me realize, it made me see the writing on the wall that Sears was kind of done and that e-commerce was coming. 
one of the biggest initiatives that Sears had was their uh, shop your shop your way or shop your own way. I forgot what the name of the program was, but it was essentially Sears version of Amazon Prime for people buying through Sears. But you know, Sears audience was all adults over probably 50. So the amount of people that were using online wasn't it didn't line up. I mean, it was a great idea in concept. Right. The execution was terrible because they weren't attracting the right people to the platform. But now when we think of where younger shoppers are going, I mean, they're going to Amazon first. And that was where we saw it on the wall, the writing on the wall. I mean, myself, my two other partners, we were buying everything from Amazon. We were getting deliveries every day from Amazon. We were like, all right, well, I mean, this doesn't make sense for me to go to Sears anymore. It doesn't make sense for me to go to Macy's, JCPenney. And because of this past year and COVID, we're actually seeing like, how much trouble a lot of those companies were really in. I mean, I, I knew because I was in that space. I don't think it, maybe and some people probably saw the writing on the wall, but um, yeah, I mean, they, they were really struggling because just their customer base was an older customer base. They weren't ready to go online and you know, they just were not going to last long. So, so that, so us as a company, we're seeing a lot of move to online. I'm sure you guys are doing that as well. And again, if you, again, if you're watching this live guys, go ahead and make sure your comments come through. Um, we'll send them, throw them, uh, see them, throw them up on the screen. We'll make sure they're, the questions are answered. Or if it's after the fact and you guys are just busy during the day and you watch this at a different time, go ahead and still submit them. And we'll go ahead and tag uh, Michael and his team and he can answer those questions too. So that being said, when um, kind of that, that traditional, like I think a lot of people, especially in 2020, saw that the need for being an e-commerce had to be made like it, it sped up i think the five-year trajectory in one year or less yeah. when you're working with retailers who are trying to get online maybe that's even brands if you will uh that are, didn't have an online presence what's that conversation like is it is it just educating on like why it's super important or yeah i mean you take it from there yeah the education piece is, is extremely important when uh you're trying to get retailers that are used to brick and mortar to to consider the online space and We've, uh, yep. You know, I mean, we've struggled with a lot of retailers that have their brick and mortar stores because they don't see the value in investing money into the platform. They don't want to spend on the advertising. Um, even sometimes their price points on their products are way higher than what their competition is charging. So all of that makes things very difficult. Um, I think the retailers that have done the best that we've worked with have been the ones that have the cash to invest into advertising. They're willing to try to be more aggressive. They're they're willing to lose money in the short term to try to gain in the long term. You know, if they're not, if you're not ready to make that investment into e-commerce, then you're not going to succeed in the long run. So, whether you're deciding to sell on Amazon, whether you want to build your own Shopify store, I mean, all of it requires advertising or some some form of marketing, whether it's SEO, content marketing, whatever it may be. And yeah, most most of the physical store retailers that aren't ready to make that investment are the ones that are going to struggle with making that jump to the e-commerce space. Awesome, I, and and all that makes sense to me. So I, I appreciate you uh, sharing that with, for our audience who might be like kind of struggling with those kinds of concepts. And I think a lot of people also struggle with the question of if I'm already like at the top of the list, or like I'm organically ranking on Google, or I'm at the top of the list. And you have to convince them moving over to that that paid piece, and why should you continue to pay to protect your brand or make sure that you're in the top three listings if uh, they're searching for you on Google or even on Amazon with all the different kind of ad spaces there now? Why like what's that conversation? How are you convincing them that it's like, hey, I know you might think that this is like that kind of 
it, you guys are protected and you're doing great. This is yeah. part of the piece, but like showing him, showing them the bigger picture of you might be missing out on all these other ones as well. Yeah. I mean, one of the, and again, this is, this is just about e-commerce in general is that people that are selling in e-commerce, people that are doing the marketing that understand it, they are extremely agile. They move very quickly when they see an opportunity, they go for it. And if you're, and that can be true for anyone. If, if someone finds your brand through whatever it is, Google ads or Amazon and sees that your brand is generating a lot of sales and you're not running any ads on that, they're going to start advertising on your brand and they're going to start getting people to, to their product. And all that investment in time you put in into getting that initial customer to make that purchase, to become aware of your brand, to give your product a, uh, a, uh, a chance is essentially lost. And now you're starting back from square one to, to acquire another customer. So if we're talking about it in the uh, idea of a sales funnel, so like how am I actually getting people through their customer journey to actually purchase my product? If you don't have your brand advertising going, whether it's on Amazon platform using sponsored products, sponsored brands and sponsored display, or whether it's using Google AdWords or uh, even Facebook advertising, if you're not advertising on those platforms to at least protect your brand, you, that funnel is just leaking out customers. It's leaking out potential purchasers and you're hurting yourself in the long run because all your advertising dollars are or more or less going to waste if you don't protect yourself by advertising on your own branded branded keywords. Excuse me. No, that makes it. Uh, that again makes sense to me. I know I keep saying yeah. it makes sense. Uh, again, like minds, we, we think alike. But I think a lot of people just have trouble trouble making those connections. So when you're when you're making those kinds of like a not if you're not an established brand online and you're really starting out, and they're like, all right, Mike, I I trust you. I need to start advertising you know, but I'm just not big enough. Like I can't, I can't invest my like 30 grand a month in advertising. Like that just eats away at my revenue. I, I can't afford to do that. What was that conversation like? What are the best ways to start marketing those kinds of brands um, starting out with a small budget? <laughs> I think it's interesting because a lot of, a lot of times it all starts with just having a conversation about what their goals are and what they want to achieve. And the reality is, is that, pretty much every retailer wants to sell more. That's usually their goal. They're not, you know, that's usually what they're trying to achieve. And, and to get that, that's a, to have that goal is different than uh, actually wanting to spend like a little bit of money, not, you know, being concerned about, you know, what my margin is or being concerned about how much I'm spending on advertising. Those two things don't align. So when we start this, uh, start the whole process, obviously we go through the goal setting, figure out what they want. And then we primarily are going to focus on the advertising campaigns that are going to lead to the best return on their advertising dollars. So primarily the initial focus, and I know most agencies in our space will focus on either giving them a good, getting them a good ROAS or giving them a good, good ACOS. That's kind of warming them up, showing them that the advertising works. They can still make money on a product sale with advertising because they can get, you know, uh, if they have a 30% margin, they're only spending 20% on their ads, whatever it may be. They're still making money or they're at least turning their inventory over and putting it back into cash so they can buy more inventory. That is incredibly important. I mean, the amount, the amount of times you can turn your inventory a year is going to generate the most revenue for you as possible. And that's where advertising comes in. So not, so once you have uh, that customer used to at least getting some sales through the advertising, you know, seeing the return on their on their dollars is where you can really start implementing the higher level, more aggressive strategies where we're going to say like, hey, this is the highest traffic keyword for this product. 
let's spend a ton of money on this and get to page one. Let's get to the top of page one because all the organic searches for this keyword, our product is going to show up. We're going to generate way more organic sales than we are at through advertising dollars. And that is really where you start making that shift from being concerned about, uh, I don't want to spend too much online advertising to, all right, I'm really focusing on growing my top line revenue as much as possible. And then building that brand awareness, building that brand loyalty and actually, you know, scaling my business to a new level that I haven't achieved before. Would you say that, so optimization, when I hear the word optimization, I think on the SEO side that there is a, there's a mountaintop, right? There is a peak where you can only be so optimized. Is there a place in SEM where you're just at capacity of there? It makes literally zero sense to tweak anything else. I mean, that's it's a philosophical <laughs> question. I know that, I'm that, that is more philosophical. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I mean, there are constantly new ways to, to be doing things, new ways to trying things. I mean, from optimizing, uh, from tracking your actual profit based on the amount you're bidding to what your return is to what your margin is. You know, there's a million different ways to actually analyze that thing. And, you know, it's very important to have that uh, analytics software in place or having a uh, partner, an agency uh, like ours that has that software and they can actually show you that stuff. It's extremely important to, to do it, but as Amazon keeps rolling out more and more ad placements, more ad features, there's different ways you can tweak everything. So, I mean, and a placement as simple as negative product targeting that came out a few months ago uh, provides a huge opportunity for brands to stop wasting money by targeting brands that aren't converting for them, targeting products that aren't converting from them. And that optimization like pretty much never ends. Anytime that a new product or a new feature is rolled out, you need to look at, all right, how can I use this feature within my existing campaigns? How can I launch new campaigns to take advantage of this? But at the end of the day, it all ties into how is this affecting my bottom line? How is this affecting my top line? And being able to see how all those inputs uh, come together is going to give you the best results. And you know, it's never ending. It really isn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it, there's constantly new things that are coming out. What is the what's the one thing one mistake that you think that you made that was so major that like you just you thought something that was going to come to fruition whether it was in this business or whether it was like selling on amazon or whatnot you took that you took that chance you you're like it only makes sense to do this and then you ended up you know obviously calling it a mistake it was just a, a misstep on your behalf but you learned from it and you grew from it and then you got better from it is there one moment that you really you really keep in mind that you you say, hey, guys, do you remember this time we did this? Let's not do that again. This seems like that moment. So is there anything as you guys, as as an owner and investor, you, you're responsible for a company and other people's brains. Do you have any moment like that? Um, I mean, personally, within our business, yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> within the Amazon platform, there's always, uh, well, not always, there are, are mistakes that are made. You don't want to, you know, sometimes you spend too much for a client. You know, it ends up causing them problems. You're not getting the return they want. Um, but I mean, really it's just an issue of not optimizing the right way or, or, or not having the, uh, the product messaging, reaching the customer in the right way, or, or maybe the product price points too long. There's a lot of obstacles that come into the, the whole process of thinking of it from that side. Mm -hmm. But if we think about like, if you're in the Amazon space, thinking about how you can develop something to, you know, to help other Amazon sellers or to help them achieve things. Uh, we made a pretty bad mistake a couple of years ago and invested a lot of money into creating a software program where we were going to try to take the demographic data from Amazon. Uh, this was before Amazon had demographic data. 
so we were taking our orders, looking at where they were coming from. We were looking at the orders by geography, uh, by male, female, by, and then we were layering over other data sets to see income uh, levels, education levels. And the goal was to use all of that to help improve off-platform advertising. Well, uh, we spent a bunch of money on that and then go figure Amazon releases their demographic data. They start, they stop uh, allowing customers to see the uh, personal, personally identifiable information that you can get through the orders. So pretty much our entire project just, just fell apart. So we invested a bunch of money in something that was pretty much worthless. So oh if you're God. thinking about creating something, just think about, just, just run it through your mind. Is Amazon going to create this? <laughs> is there any value in them for this? Like, how is this really helping sellers? Is, can they do it better than I can? The answer is usually yes, they can do it better. So make sure that whatever you're thinking about building, developing actually provides a lot of value. So, uh, so that brings me to an interesting thought. And I think that's the number one service, like number one fear of every service provider. Ping pong is a service provider. And they're like, wait a minute, what if Amazon all of a sudden just becomes an XYZ? Like, <laughs> uh, like that's all right. Uh, is, is it, to a point like Amazon can do everything like as much of as much as everyone wants to do they're like oh yeah like we're gonna be like all Amazon whatever's like we're gonna have robots that are just only Amazon taking over the world it's not the case um but that leads an interesting point on terms of like data and I think like for data for for any company both either as a seller or as a marketplace or service provider data is key and you have to like follow the like my old company, Viral Lunch, has always followed the data. That's that was what we always wanted to what always wanted to go with. Yeah. When when you see fights like who owns this data, like obviously Amazon's a marketplace. Yeah. You you see that like hey, we control the data. They use it however they want. And again, there's lawsuits behind that. What is maybe like you can touch on if you want. What's kind of your take on? what data should be available for everyone and what shit data should Amazon, you know, feel free to keep secret. Is there a distinguishing factor? Oh, that's really hard. Um, Without getting in trouble. Like I'm not here to get anyone in trouble. It's just the thought. <laughs> I don't think I'll get in trouble. I don't think Amazon cares enough about me, but um, same here. Same here. <laughs> if you're watching Amazon, we appreciate you joining us today. So yeah, <laughs> thank you. Please just don't close down my, my seller central yeah. account. Anybody else? Yeah. Anyway, uh, no, when it comes to the actual sales numbers, uh, I think that's very important data to a lot of uh, sellers that are looking at researching the marketplace, trying to figure out what products they can launch. But at the same time, you know, Amazon is using that data themselves to identify product opportunities. So yeah, that's a I know that's a one very contentious point is Amazon using that sales data to figure out their own products, the own brands that they, they want to launch. You know, the other piece of that is obviously the customer data. Um, you know, if you're building a brand, it's very frustrating in a sense that you don't get to see who your customers are other than through the basic demographic data. You don't, you know, you don't know it's you know, Susie Q from Ohio or whoever it is. Um, that data is valuable to building a business. And that's why having a Shopify store or having a website outside of Amazon is extremely important. Again, if we go back to what we talked about in the beginning, Amazon is a, well, earlier, it's a, Amazon is a brand discovery tool. Mm -hmm. And once you get the customer to discover your brand, you need to figure out the way to get them to your website without breaking Amazon's terms of service. That's a challenge. It takes a lot of navigating. Uh, there's a lot of different ways to do it. I know a lot of people do it in a, different, a lot of different ways. But sometimes if you're there long enough, if your brand's uh, 
you know, everywhere, if you're doing enough advertising, if you're placing enough ads to the right people, organically, people are just going to start finding your website as well. So it's a long game. Um, you know, using Amazon to get the brand discovery, even though you don't get the customer data is extremely important. And then figuring out ways to use the demographic data that they're providing you to actually get those customers to your website is super important. So that being said, I think there's um, a lot of people that learned in 2020 that Amazon has that authority to shut you down. You have no ability to, uh, the, you have the, they have the ability to limit inventory levels. They have the ability to limit when you can send your goods. Like uh, beginning of 2020, it was just essential goods. And that really locked a lot of people out of, hey, I can't get my inventory into Amazon for uh, Q2, Q3, Q4 for this year because it just they just weren't accepting it. When when you, I'm assuming you as a company, are you driving home the importance of FBA, but also now taking those learnings of what happened, really hammering home more FBM or uh, fulfilling on third party? What's kind of that learned, uh, you know, takeaway from you guys? I think there's a couple things. Uh, one of them is, you know, we always recommend to all of our clients is that if they're setting up a listing on Amazon to set up one FBA version and set up one FBM version, if they have the ability to fulfill the products themselves, even if they don't have the ability, they can still use a 3PL provider, a third party mm -hmm. logistics service. And we recommend now, at least we're recommending a lot of clients start setting up uh, their own 3PL company to hold their inventory for them to do their own fulfillment, whether they have, uh, they're doing fulfillment for Amazon or whether it's for other platforms. We think that's extremely important. But another uh, way to approach this is that you can still advertise on Amazon using the Amazon DSP platform and drive customers to your website. So by using DSP, you can retarget people that have purchased you from you on Amazon and you can direct them to wherever you want. DSP has a higher investment level and you can really only get access to it if you're working with an agency like ourselves or uh, a lot of other companies that are out there. But by using the DSP advertising, uh, you can actually that's one way you can start getting those customers off of the Amazon platform and onto your own website or wherever you want to send them to purchase. And then, you know, you got to make sure you can fulfill it. So you want to make sure you have a good 3PL partner that can get the products there on time uh, quickly and you know, not leave the customers are getting frustrated with how long the shipping time is. Yeah. DSP is definitely something that I think a lot of people are super excited about. And we talked about it yesterday and I think it's come up a lot in 2021 already. Uh, the fact that I think it's more, the trend that you're going to try to see a lot of people, like you said, I think it's a $30,000 a month ad spend. There, there's a, there's, there, there's one of those like fluctuating thresholds, right? If you're going to work with Amazon, if they're going to manage the DSP for you, I think the threshold's even higher. I think it's like a million dollars now. Um, but it, you can work through a lot of other companies that are out there, like agencies that are specialized in Amazon advertising that can do the DSP for you at a lower uh, level because they're they're pretty much mixing all the spend together, um, so you don't need to commit to such a high level. So using DSP isn't that ex you know you don't need to invest a huge amount of money to it, um, but I mean you're going to get really good returns from DSP because you're getting people you, the the ability to retarget or remarket to people through DSP is is incredible. Do you think there's a what's the main reason do you think they set that threshold just because they their cost to use it or just uh, I think it's the supply. Just the supply of advertising inventory. I mean, Amazon can only show so many ads at once, and obviously, there's a lot of value in there. Uh, the companies that can, and, and you know, there's also an incentive there for them to be able to make as much money from it as possible. 
So the companies that uh, have the most money to invest in the platform, they want to make bigger purchases instead of selling, you know, $1,000 to 30 people, for example, let's send 30, sell $30,000 to one person. So I think yeah. that's gotta be the mentality behind it. So when, uh, with all those things that we learned in 2020, I'm sure you guys kind of like had to ebb and flow. What was the hardest thing for you as a company to have to overcome? You know, it, it's just- Apart from being able to like handshake people in person. Cause <laughs> well, I, miss, I miss like be meeting people are like, Hey, what's up? <laughs> yeah. I think it was rough. Uh, I think just seeing a lot of the pain that a lot of our clients were going through, uh, was, you know, really sad, really frustrating. I mean, when this first hit in April, May, we lost a lot of clients just because they, you know, their money was gone. Their money, they were primarily selling through retail. Retail was dead. They didn't have the money to invest online. You know, they weren't have, they were having issues getting access to, you know, PPP or, uh, you know, disaster relief loans to kind of get that money to keep their business going. Uh, and that was really hard to see. Um, but at the same time, that just shows how important it is to be online now to have that presence on Amazon and to have your product able to be found. If you are completely reliant on any one sales channel, it's a problem for your business. If you're completely reliant on Amazon, that's a huge problem too. Cause if you get shut down on Amazon, there goes your business. But if you're exactly. completely relying on retail and a pandemic hits, well, now you're also screwed because now all your sales are coming from in store and you don't have an online presence. So I think it's really important to going forward this year and, and obviously the years coming is to diversify your sales channel and get on to as many sales channels as possible, whether it be your own website, you know, Etsy, Walmart, Target, Amazon, um, Facebook, Instagram, wherever you can to start to have more than one sales channel coming in and then figuring out the pieces or the partners that can help you grow the sales channel over time is going to help your business survive, uh, you know, any asymmetric shock that happens within the economy. Which is, yeah, we're living through that right now. And, and that I'm, that echoes home. What I've been telling a lot of our listeners, especially uh, over the past months is when you're solely relying on one, like, like leg of the, of the stool, proverbial, like business stool, you can fall over. It's going to, it's going to fail. But when you are balanced and diversified, we hammer this in our season uh, premiere earlier this week with, uh, uh, with a uh, PR reach and, the, and their team over there, they said, obviously diversifying in as many ways as possible. It's super important. Yeah. Um, just so you can like rely, obviously Amazon's a big piece of that puzzle and nothing's going to overshadow the traffic probably revenue that you're driving but even just diversifying on another marketplace we saw us as ping pong we saw customers that were going um and sending inventory to different locations if their if their limits were you know uh if they were limited on inventory in the us they would go to send it to canada or send it to uh europe and have it fulfilled throughout there so there's other ways that you can also grow within the amazon ecosystem that's not just on the dot com um, which is the major focus for everyone. So um, that being said, where where do you guys push a lot of people to kind of grow outside of Amazon first? Is it Shopify? Is it Walmart? What, what's kind of the big take for you guys as an agency? I think uh, we always approach it on what is the easiest way to get to reach the most people. Um, Amazon is obviously number one, but the, the benefit of Amazon is that it's a platform that people are going to. It's not your own website where you need to drive your own traffic. So what other platforms are out there? And I think focusing on the platforms first, like getting on a Walmart, getting your sales go there to go there is extremely important. Um, you know, whether depending on your product, maybe Etsy is a good fit, maybe uh, Lou Lily, maybe Wish. Um, there, you know, there's Rack almost an, yeah. yeah, there's almost an unlimited number of platforms out there that you can get onto. 
You really just need to find the right one that's for uh, your company or for your brand. Those are the easiest hurdles to get your product in front of more eyes. And then once you've kind of exhausted that or you've got you know a few channels that are driving enough sales for you to really start focusing on building your own website, that's where we really start recommending making the jump to the Shopify side. Because you know, once you're on the Shopify side, you need to start thinking about SEO, uh, SEM through Google, uh, influencer marketing, uh, referral affiliate marketing, all that stuff's gonna be super important. And if you're not ready to, to make all that investment at once, uh, well, if you're not ready to make all that investment, it doesn't necessarily need to be at once. It, your Shopify store is really gonna underperform compared to everything else. Does it feel overwhelming to think about all of that as not just an agency, but as a seller, like you were a former seller and potentially good. Is that, do you think that's just an overwhelming like mountain or wave that you think is coming at, at a potential seller who's just either doing this as a, like a supplemental income thing or a business even getting into it? Where's that, where does that overcome or that like, where does that knowing that you can get over that hump yeah. uh, come from? Do you think for a lot of people or how do you, how do you tell people that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely overwhelming thinking about all the things that you need to manage to actually grow a business online. But the reality is that sellers are becoming more and more. Uh, it, oh my god, I've been in Mexico too long. I'm forgetting the word. Sellers are becoming more and more agile. They're they're more nimble. They know how to do things quicker. They're learning things faster. Mike, stop drinking the water there, man. Come on. That's why. That's why I got my my big bottle right here. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, yeah. The point is, it, it it can be overwhelming. I understand that completely. What I would recommend is just focusing on the things that are obviously the lowest hurdles first or the easiest, uh, the lowest barriers to entry, which is other platforms. Again, just to, re to reiterate what I was saying before, you know, Walmart's pretty simple to get onto. Etsy's pretty simple to get onto. Facebook, Instagram, those are very simple. If you're already on those platforms, you can start selling now. Yeah. When it comes to focusing on how you're going to grow your website or how you're going to grow your brand outside of Amazon, there's uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of ways to approach it. Um, if you think about what, one of my favorite books is uh, The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. Uh, you focus on what you see as the obstacle. Well, the obstacle is that you want to grow your business. And now you see, now you start recognizing that there's other obstacles that are causing you to, uh, to have to deal with that. So let's say one of your, the first obstacle you're going to face is that you need to get your SEO going. So in void, avoiding the SEO isn't going to lead you to the results you want or trying to find a way around it. This is the same thing we were talking about doing the fundamentals of Amazon, not doing those fundamentals to make your product look good. Even if it's on your own website is not going to get you the results you want. You need to actually face that, deal with it, invest with it, invest in it and start moving on. It's just step-by-step. Step. If you, if you focus on one thing at a time, one sales channel starts showing that it can be profitable for you that can actually bring customers in. It doesn't, it becomes less overwhelming. I mean, I've, I built brands before specifically for the Amazon platform when things weren't so sophisticated, you know, I'm doing it now for other brands that it's way more sophisticated. I'm focused on more things, but instead of getting overwhelmed by thinking I need to do everything at once, I need to break it into small steps, start seeing the results with those steps or not seeing the results and then moving on to other ones and figuring out which ones can lead to better results. Love it. That, that's that's all great information. And I went off screen real quick to write down that book because that's what I'm trying to do in 2021 is trying to consume more information. And that sounds like a good book if if that's where you pulled all that information from. So I, I wrote it down real quick just so I don't forget it. So great, great tidbit of knowledge. Uh, while we're coming up on the top of the hour, I just had a couple other questions because you're one of the first guests that we had located in Mexico. And maybe this is maybe outside your scope. And it's not a, it's not a bad thing. I actually was on 
um, a podcast with yesterday with a buddy, Rob Stanley over at Akrumi. Uh-huh. And he asked me about the, the Mexican uh, economy and just where a lot of people might be, that, that might be a budding market for sellers to even look into. And since yeah. you're there, maybe you can kind of shed light on stuff. If you, if you're referring people to look into uh, Amazon dot, I think it's MX um, down there. What, what's kind of like the economy look like in terms of either sourcing from Amazon, uh, Mexico and then also selling in Mexico? Can you give us maybe like a firsthand experience since you're there? Yeah, I, I definitely can. Um, awesome. But before I jump into that, another yeah. great book recommendation that is just like that is called The War of Art uh, by Stephen Pressfield, I think. It's a really good book, similar concepts about just you know struggling, focusing on what you need to do and then going from there. Anyway, jumping to Mexico. Uh, Mexico is an interesting place to be. Uh, it's an interesting business environment. Uh, when we think about a lot of the larger companies that are here, they're more focused on traditional retail and manufacturing versus e- e-commerce space. So you know, we've had a lot of difficulty with companies down here considering e-commerce just because they're not aware of it. They don't want to deal with it. They've been doing things for so long in a certain way that they're focused on that way. And I'm not the only one. I've talked to a lot of other companies that have that same experience with Mexico. Um, when it comes to the actual e-commerce side, I think a lot of companies that are being successful or people that are being successful are individual sellers that don't come from that, uh, that mindset of being, you know, a manufacturer. That's all I do. I don't sell direct to consumer that are either purchasing these products directly, putting them on amazon.com.mx, putting them on Mercado Libre, uh, you know, Segundo Mano is another website down here that you can sell through. Uh, there's a lot of different platforms out there that you can get your products on and, and make a pretty good uh, return on. I mean, the advertising costs in Mexico, at least on the Amazon platform, are extremely low. Uh, but you can also advertise through Mercado Libre. They have their own version of Amazon FBA, uh, although it's invitation only, so it's a little bit more exclusive. Um, and then just generally the, the customer uh, shopping experience in Mexico and Latin America in general is uh, mobile first. So making sure all your content, whether it's on Amazon or whatever other platform is mobile friendly is extremely important uh, because that's the way people shop down here. It's you know it's just the most common thing. Um, so considering those things, that's very important. Uh, when it comes to sourcing products in Mexico, I, it can be a little bit more tricky as well. Uh, while we're so close to each other, there are some different expectations uh, with work-wise or work style-wise between the US and Mexico. Uh, and you know, the relationship management between that two is very important as well. But I have some, have definitely heard of some horror stories from clients and friends here that have tried purchasing product from manufacturers. I actually just thought of another one, uh, purchasing products from manufacturers and the, and the development ends up being months late or weeks late just because, you know, they were like, oh, mañana I'll get to it. Like, you know, showing them like the actual work ethic had something similar. I'm helping my girlfriend launch a brand of women's apparel. She's working with a designer here uh, to develop these dresses. This dress, uh, to, to, to make a dress, you need like a, I don't know the word in English. Um, anyway, like a form to actually cut out and show. Like, oh, how much yeah, like a pa- oh, pattern of sorts. Like, yeah, you're. Yeah, yeah. I think they call it like a Patron here or something. I don't know. Anyway, um, she worked with this designer, came up with all these designs, and then the designer wouldn't sell her the pattern to actually make the product. And. It's just like, what? Like, this is like common sense. If I'm working with you, this is what I'm buying. This is what I'm paying right. for. Uh, so we actually had to start again with somebody else that 
and set the right expectations from the start that this is what was going to happen. So there's always little obstacles like that, cultural differences that you're going to you're going to run into when you're dealing with Mexico. So just things to be aware of. Well, I found our next topic to talk about when when we were back on the show next time. I I just think it's super super fascinating and a lot of people just forget that Mexico is just a different cultural and a lot of people have to understand like you're working with different work ethic, which is perfectly fine for them, obviously. But if the market's going to start to trend that way, you want to be ahead of it. So maybe, maybe that's something for for next time. I think uh, we'll yeah, have to discuss for, sure. for sure. So it sounds like it sounds like uh, there's lots of stories that you can kind of uh, share in that regard. So <laughs> that's awesome. So before we like cap off at the top of the hour, and before I let you go, I know you're a busy guy. When uh, we looked at 2020, and we looked at a lot of different like bad things. It felt like five years when it was really one. I, I, I watched the death to 2020 on New Year's Eve. And I was like, my God, I can't even believe like people like Kobe Bryant died the same year. And like, you're just like unaware. And the the year was just bad for a lot of people. But honestly, on the flip side for e-commerce, there was a lot of boom. And like, we have to take, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Like there was a lot of growth. What is one major thing that you guys are going to take from that year and apply it to your to to the business model this year in 2021. Um, Do you like my story? How I lead it up, and I like get you emotionally attached to it. Yeah, I know. I got to think about something <laughs> deep here. That's um, all good. It doesn't have to be deep. It's just a lot of people are just like they they take and get perspective on different things, and that's what we like to do. Is you know, you saw something completely different. You're located somewhere in the world that's different than where I'm at in Indiana. So yeah, it's all going to be different. I think one of the things we learned and one of the things that we are trying to get across to our clients, and this is goes along with a lot of the other things we said about setting up the 3PL networks, going on to other channels, diversifying, is just to be prepared for whatever is going to come. You have no idea. Um, and preparation starts with getting the fundamentals of your advertising done, getting the fundamentals of your listings done on whatever platform it is, because you never know when something's going to just happen. Something's going to take off. I mean, we had clients that we're selling hand sanitizer and they were in there at the perfect time. And then all of a sudden, you know, March, 2020 hits and they're going from doing $10,000 a month, doing a million dollars a month in sales. I mean, it literally happens that quickly on e-commerce if you're in the right place at the right time, you know, not everyone gets that lucky, but being prepared is what you need to do. If that chance comes or if that opportunity comes, you know, if you have that product and that time comes and it's too late, you don't have your advertising fundamentals. You don't have your listing set up the right way. You're already behind. There's already people in front of you that are going to be getting those sales, taking advantage of it. I mean, this goes back to another uh, one of my favorite sayings is, you know, I find the the harder I work, the luckier I get. So doing that hard work now, getting in the right places, getting the fundamentals done is going to lead to you just getting lucky someday. And then maybe your business is just going to explode from being in the right place at the right time. You know, that's extremely important. And I think that's one thing that we've learned and one thing that everyone should apply going forward. Love it. Mike, thanks so much. Uh, but before we cap, obviously, and, and kind of like uh, sign off here, what are the, if people have questions, if they're catching this either later tonight or later down the road, what are the best ways that uh, if they have questions or want to work with uh, Amazon advisors and uh, your company? Hey, look at that. Well, after an hour, we got their name right. Uh, what's the best way that people are going to need to get in touch with you? Yeah, they, I mean, the best way to reach us is through our website directly, amzadvisors.com. Uh, you can also reach me directly if you have a question on my email, mike at amzadvisors.com. I'm always available there. 
Otherwise, you can reach us through our social channels on Instagram or LinkedIn. Uh, we always answer questions there. So feel free to reach out with any questions you have. Uh, you're, we're always glad to help other people be successful on the Amazon platform and in e-commerce in general. Awesome. I love that. And we put that description here in the below in the ticker. Uh, we'll make sure it gets in the YouTube channel as well. So if you do uh, watch this later on, make sure you go ahead and click through. We'll make sure that if you do hear, uh, if you are going with Amazon advisors, advisors and you mention this podcast, uh, j- just make sure you tell Mike and his team and then we'll go from there. But yeah, Mike, friend of the show now, uh, we love having you on here, dropping some knowledge on this Wednesday, which is already crazy. We're what, six days into the year already. It's it's kind of going quickly already. Yeah, it's a good yeah. thing. No, thank you, Ryan, for having me here. I really appreciate it. You know, I love just doing these talks and letting people know what I think and you know what I see coming. So Hopefully I was able to provide some value. Absolutely. And we appreciate it. And then we'll actually take tomorrow off. And for our audience, who's going to be going live here uh, late or for our audience who will catch us live on again, LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, we would go live almost every Monday, Wednesday or Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Friday. So we'll be off tomorrow, but then we're coming back hot with another episode of cap out the week. We're talking about uh, we're talking about, I think we're, <laughs> there's a lot of different topics going on. There's growth in terms of velocity and sales and how you can maybe automate that as a uh, seller and uh, look at the different service provider with Jason Hanan and that team over there. So really excited about diving into automation and looking at trends in, term, in terms of velocity and sales on Amazon. So for uh, Mike Begg over at AMZ, AMZ Advisors, got it right. I'm Ryan Kramer with Ping Pong Payments, and this is Crossover Commerce. Thanks for joining us, everyone, and we'll catch you uh, next episode.